This is the Wealth and Law Podcast, a podcast about the intersection of personal wealth and the legal landscape. We'll take a deep dive into relevant topics. We'll basically teach you what we know, and we'll engage with guests with deep expertise in their field. We hope that you'll enjoy this episode and many more episodes. So please join us on this journey as we try to bring you relevant information that is both timely and important for you to know in order to engage in this area of the world. Welcome to the Wealth and Law Podcast. It is 2024, which means that it is the year of the Corporate Transparency Act, we think. And because of that, we've got to talk to Gary Fletcher. Gary, thanks for coming back. Thank you. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a bit. You you had some holidays in there, and so I didn't get to see you. So I'm, I'm glad we get to do this. It, 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 we did, but we did not have CTA holidays. No. So. <laughs> Well, they were threatening to to do it, which I know we're going to talk about, but um, I thought it might make sense for us to give the people an update because it is January and very technically this thing is live and active. Exactly. So it's 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 here. Right. So um, congratulations on, on Monday. It arrived. It did not go away. Um so we have the the CTA in place. So what what that means is um, existing entities um, that were created prior to New Year's Eve four days ago, three days ago, um, have a deadline currently of the end of this year, 2024, 1231 or 1-1-2025 subject to change maybe um, but more importantly uh, we do have uh, reporting requirements in place for uh, new entities reporting companies that we uh, put in place this year starting january 1 of 2024 that uh, we will now have 90 days to report specified information on those companies and the beneficial owners of those companies and the company applicants of those companies. So, um, you know, the kind of the the moving target has been, are, are we going to have um, a delay of the effective date of this act? And the answer at this point is no, because we're in 2024 and it's effective. There were attempts to do that back in June of 2023, both in the House and the Senate with kind of sister marrying bills um, that said, hey, this is going to take people by surprise and we need to bump out the effective date and bump out the um, deadlines for reporting. Those kind of died, but you can decide on your own time, why they died. Um, Representative McHenry, who um, introduced the House bill in June of 2023, is not running for re-election. So you can read into that whatever you want. But it, it neither of those went anywhere after introduction. So they got introduced as bills in their um, in their hearings and didn't go anywhere. However, we did get in the latter part of 2023, HR 5119, um, 
which is a diluted version. I'll, I'll, I'll describe it as because the, the former versions from Representative McHenry and the sister bill in the Senate said, let's delay this until um, we basically until we can figure out what's going on and and roll this back. Well, 5119 was more specific, very much more specific and said um, that the CTA said that these reports would be due within two years of the effective date of the act um, subject to treasury regulation and treasury regulation through FinCEN <clears throat> rolled that back to where all the pre-existing entities which is where that's that's where that's where kind of the the issue is right now right as far as this filing system being effective um they rolled that back to being one year so that's how we got 1125 however hr 5119 would say no we're not we're not going to allow treasury through fincen or otherwise to change that deadline so that would be two years so that would mean 1 1 2026 and um so that's passed the house it's in the senate they're they're on their break um we don't know where that's going to come back to um but i think it's actually pretty important because if those of us that have been involved with the fr filings previously when they were paper and then mandatory electronic it's, it's the volume that causes some issues at the receiving end right so um I've, I've got a lot of input thus far that hey you know it's it's pretty easy to get your fincen identifier pretty easy to file your initial boi report etc but we're we're in 2024 and the the trailing end of the 35 million entities is going to come later later this year so right. we'll see what happens yep uh the the answer to that may be if you have existing entities don't wait there's don't wait till the end don't don't assume that the senate's going to jump in and save you and on that topic i think it's a very curious uh situation because this is a bill that was passed over the president's veto. Yep. So the same people who overrode a veto in the past, which is rare, and somebody in their own party, mind you, um, are the same people you're relying on to jump in and sort of save the day here. I have a hard time believing that that's really going to happen. But even if it does, it's only delaying the inevitable. People are going to have to start reporting and you have to sort of cleanse all of these existing entities, which is, of course, a huge task. And I literally have a call in an hour with a client who has a bunch of entities to talk about cleansing all these entities. So that so that's a, a, a that's actually two big points. So, um, you know, along the way in the last 18 months, I've been asked any number of times, oh, should we just sit back and this will go away? Right. And. So I'm like, no, 
Um, this this passed over a Trump veto, so it, it's going to hang on regardless, right? Um, but then also the inquiries from existing entities, this is a point of discussion, contention amongst, um, you know, folks that are dealing with this. Um, so uh, my point of view is that uh, if you had an entity that existed and and you killed it prior to 1231-2023, you know, whether it was for that this purpose or otherwise, is that eh, I, I'm not comfortable being comfortable that you're not uh, a reported company uh, because we have 23 stated exemptions under the CTA as to, okay, what does this not apply to? And that's another issue. Um, but one of those is an inactive or dormant entity with very specific um, prerequisites to um, fall into that slip, if you will, um, in including that you were created prior to 1-1 of 2020, you um, can't have um, transactions in or out of more than $1,000 in 12 months, and you can't have any assets, basically. So it's, um, it's, it's basically, wow, how, how can I really fall into this exemption if I'm just sitting here as an entity that's shelf or otherwise? And there, there are a lot of folks out there espousing, hey, kill them before 1231-2023 and you're good, right? And I can't, I can't say that that's wrong, but I can't say that that's right. So um, there's a lot of gray area sitting there. Yeah, gray area and high penalties. So yes. you have to weigh the balances, I guess. So, and that's that's the other thing is that um, so when when FinCEN opened up, seems to be operating, um, and you know there's there seems to be a, a jump to well this this was easy, so we're all good. Um, but if if I take these folks back to FBAR, it's like well FBAR is not that hard. Right. Reporting is not that hard, but the penalties are bad. So right. um, we're kind of in a seesaw place where we don't really know. OK, well, yeah, it was easy to report or not report, but the, the end result penalties are poor. Right. Right. So what uh, what other things are you hearing about the, the portal system? I guess that's probably a terrible way to describe it, but the the BOI reporting system that FinCEN has, I mean, I can give you sort of my own anecdotal evidence of whether or not it functions. So the um, so what I'm hearing and experiencing are some people will, you know, get in and do your thing and you're all good, um, but some are experiencing that. Um, either the ID that you are inputting 
or the, I, I think this is more frequently, the photo that you are PDFing and uploading as either your um, passport or your driver's license is kicking it back for some reason, right? Um, so there's a, there's a high degree of frustration. Um, I'm going to say after December, January one, because January one, everybody was like, wow, this is great. It's a nothing burger. It's all good. Right. Um, but as you upload your information, that's where they're experiencing some hiccups, um, and, and that's actually where my um, concern comes in that, you know, we've had um, we've had a proposed rule and I think a, um, an accepted rule, final rule about, you know, who has access to this information. Um, but as you receive bounce backs, um, my issue has been that. We are now entering the the world of quantum computing, quantum security, et cetera. So I, I don't I don't think any of those messages can provide um, sufficient security about well where is your information going, right? Right, and that's it. so that what you described was similar to what I have experienced which is when I first tried to use the system to report a few entities that I own, the report of myself for owning a few entities, I should say, um, the system would not accept my PDF or JPEG image of my license and initially just told me that it was the wrong file type or the wrong size, which it wasn't either. And then the next day when I tried it again, it gave me a different prompt back saying there was an issue with the the way I had named it. And so I just had to change the name of the file and then it accepted it. And of course, what happens in all of those cases where I've uploaded documents that the system isn't accepting, does it just dump those documents? Does it delete them? I don't know. So I don't know where those go. You know, the misfires, I don't know what happens to the misfire data that's going into their system that somehow is not um, completing, being completed in a, in a transaction. Which is probably it. all of which is probably a horrible non-technical way to describe how the system actually works. And so everybody knows how illiterate I am on uh, how these things actually work. But that that, of course, number one was a little bit of a frustration for me because I was just trying to get it done uh, and I couldn't. I was hindered by the system, which gets a little bit to the point that you were making, Gary, about uh, volume of data being uploaded into these systems for people who wait until the end. And now you could have a systemic issue that prevents you from timely filing. So don't wait. And then number two, to your point about the security of, well, I don't know. I don't know where it's going. Right. Exactly. So, you know, um, the, the, the volume piece, I, I think anybody who's been um, involved in the FBAR world knows that, okay, FBAR filings are not difficult, right? But when they when they roll in in high volume, they create a problem, and that's kind of the point that folks have been making along the way. That all right, well, a CTA filing is not difficult. I mean, if you look at the 
information on there. But when you get volume, that that is what creates a problem. And then that is what also leads to the security problem of, wow, I'm, I'm rolling this information over the internet. Um, where's it going? And I, and I, I know and I understand that um, we have final rules about access to the information, but that, that, that really doesn't address, okay, where is this stuff going as it rolls across the airwaves? Right. So that, all of which, of course, is not to say that, therefore, people don't have to comply with CTA. It's just, of course, it's an issue. Any, I mean, anytime that you're submitting your sensitive data to anyone, including government agencies, security is an issue. It's no different from filing taxes electronically or even paper form, because apparently they just sit in rooms if you file it in, in paper form. Uh, and the IRS has had leaks. So there's nothing to suggest that Treasury couldn't have a data breach in all of this uh, CTA information. And I would assume that this would be information that nefarious people would want to get their hands on. So I also assume Treasury is aware of that. Absolutely. So um, not only not only Treasury, et cetera, um, but as I've raised earlier, you know, if you're generating these reports, your BOI reports, and they're off in a safe, secure place, but I am um, in a litigation with you, then I can subpoena that information, et cetera, right? So it's mm, it's 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 not as secure as you as you as you might think. And then um, as we go forward, so everybody knows the um, the GAO has contacted ACTAC to look at what are we gathering enough information, right? So with regard to trust, they are um, evaluating or studying, should we be um, collecting more information about trust under this whole regime and, and making the CTA being even more global with regard to information that we we receive with regard to trust. Well, and I think they had in indicated that um, in the regulations as well, or, or maybe they had, maybe it was a news release. Now I can't remember uh, exactly, but I think Treasury had indicated that they were exploring the holes in the system and whether they should be requesting information about more entities and then as you say more detailed information in more complex situations and and i would be shocked if they don't come back and ask for more information about more entities and uh in more detailed complex situations because i i can of course you and i can both dream up ways right now under cta where you could form arrangements that fall outside of cta and basically defeat the purpose of the entire act. And a trust is a good example. You, you and I could form a trust if we wanted to and start transacting business and we wouldn't have to report the trust to CTA because trusts are not really registered with the state depending on where you pick the trust to be to be formed. 
and that would be outside of CTA and we could do billions of dollars worth of transactions and be outside of CTA. And is that really what Congress wanted? And so I have a hard time believing if if the behavior in sufficient volume of people gets pushed into these these uh, forms outside of CTA, that Congress isn't going to come back and fill the hole. So I so I totally agree with that. And then I, I think that the 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 danger or problem is that the the focus becomes um, forcing or directing the uh, direction of those entities into other entities, you know, whether it be a Delaware directed trust or whatever it may be, that this forces us out into that arena. Um, Because I'm already getting a lot of questions about kind of, you know, do we go in that direction where everybody needs to settle down and figure out, all right, is is this disclosure that bad or that um, problematic that we really need to shift off and 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 do another structure? Right. And do you give up the benefits of all of the body of law that applies to every other business entity that is reportable? that are the benefits you were using to form that entity to begin with. You just give that up and then jump into a different structure that doesn't have the same body of law to tell you what the rules of the road are. I, I, like you, I, or it sounds like, like you, I should say, not presuming your answer here, Gary, but like you, I probably am skeptical of people going and using unconventional entities just to get around uh, the CTA because of losing out on all of these other business benefits. It's sort of like the the old adage of you're not supposed to let the tax tail wag the dog. Well, I think you're not really supposed to let the CTA tail wag the dog either when you're trying to make business decisions. Totally, completely agree. Completely agree. So, and, and, and I'm seeing that because, um, you know, it's it's becoming a do I do I form an LLC, which has become, you know, muscle memory. That's what you do. Or do I form a trust? And I have people coming to me of do I form a, a, a Delaware trust or even recently <laughs> in the last two days, a, a, a Delaware real estate investment trust that they have no idea what that means, right? All to avoid some pretty simply simple um, reporting requirements. So, um, but so the, the, the thing I'd like to hit on is that um, as the year came to an end last year, there's a lot of scuttlebutt out there that, well, you know, you have reporting requirements before 1125, um, and unless you killed this entity. So, and and there's disagreement about this out there. Um, but in in my view, it it does not say that. So the the neither the CTA, the proposed rule slash reg, the final rule slash reg does not say that if you kill an entity before 
the end of last year that you're good. So, and I'm, I'm seeing a lot of advice out there that if you do that, you're good. Um, and I, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with that. Yeah. I'm not comfortable with it either. I think you're right. I think the, the dormant entity rules probably catch you and you can't get around it. If you have an entity that terminated 20 years ago and all the owners are dead, of course you don't, you don't need to be reporting that entity. But if you had an entity that existed last year and you killed it just for CTA purposes, I think you're going to have a hard time explaining why that's not a reportable entity. Right. And, you know, if, if, if you roll back and think about the, 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 the meaning or the intention of the act of the CTA, it's like, okay, so you, you, you had this LLC or whatever entity and it was doing these, um, doing these things that we're trying to get at and, and your, your easy out is to terminate prior to 1231? No, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I don't think so either. All right. The people need this information. Uh, we're all in this together. We're, we're going to get through it. It's going to happen this year. Come hell or high water, everybody's going to have to report. And there's probably going to be uh, a large group of unreported or misreported entities come next year where we're going to be talking about how to solve those issues and try to get out from underneath penalties potentially. And I suspect that at some point in the future, Treasury could have a sort of safe harbor program, at least I hope, that they're going to have some sort of safe harbor program to help people become compliant if somehow they just were too ignorant to know what to do despite everyone's efforts um, like they've like they've done with FBARs. So this is a topic that will will carry on for a long time. Uh, I don't think this is just the existing entity issue today is not over this year, in my opinion. I think it's going to continue to be an issue into the future. Revenue generation. Yes. <laughs> uh, just just what we need, more work, more there things to do. <laughs> Gary, thank you so much. I really appreciate you. Thank you, Brent. Appreciate it. Hey, listeners, thanks again for joining me on the podcast. It's fun to do it for you. If you're enjoying it, please subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to my blog at wealthandlaw.com and follow me on social media at wealthandlaw. I'll see you there.